Hi, this is Ross Baden with Roleplaying Bubble Radio, and this is RPPR episode 82. Back that story up. And with me, not as always, is Caleb and Aaron, because Tom had to go out of town to... Tom is dead. I'll hail the new Tom. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about backstories and motivation uh, for players and player characters. And just uh, because why is your imaginary elf in your magical elf game wanting to stab that orc? Is it self-preservation, revenge, or uh, a tragic case of badly misapplied dinner etiquette? They killed his parents, Ross. Yeah. They always kill your parents. Yeah, they do. Parenthood, little known fact, is yeah. the number one cause of death in all RPGs. And you have spawn, and then your village is instantly burned. Yeah, it's kind of like children's literature. <laughs> or it, or it yeah. could actually be for the other particular reason, which is, as always, graph paper sex. You can't beat that. <laughs> all right. So uh, before we begin, we're going to be talking a little, uh, get a little news out of the way. First off, uh, for the base reader backers and everyone else, uh, their pariah, the short story I promised as part of it, is finally out. Uh, of course, due to the hol- I had planned to get it out last month, but because of the holidays and getting the proofreading back and the cover art and everything, you know, got a little delayed. But it's out. Uh, base Raider backers should be able to download it to this, uh, from the same place. You got the preview actual play episodes. I'll send, of course, a mess there. You will have a message in Kickstarter by the time you hear this. And, uh, the, uh, everyone else, those of you who did not back the Base Raiders Kickstarter. But- Shame on you. <laughs> Well, if you were, maybe if you were gone, if you were you know out adventuring in the real world, he was on for a month. Yeah. Who doesn't check their computer for a month anymore? Wake up People and smell the have, Ethernet connection. Okay, I'm a generous, and you can buy the story on the uh, as an ebook on uh, Amazon oh, okay. or uh, Smashwords as a ebook for two ninety nine. So it's about ten thousand words and talks. It's about two base raiders that raid a base. So you know. Really? Yeah, I know. It's pretty. Uh, <laughs> what a twist, as I shall Uh Second up in the news section, uh, I'm re relaunching Railery.tv as a video game actual play uh, podcast and show. And by podcast, not really podcast, just a YouTube channel. Uh, but we, I finally figured out how to record 1080. HD video game video game footage from Fraps. So uh, we've already got some stuff from Dead Rising Two and a freeware game called The Corridor, and we'll have stuff from Sub Rosa. And I think we'll pro- I know we'll be getting Alien- Aliens Colonial Marines when that comes out, Dead Space Three, and all this other good stuff. So uh, keep an eye out for that. So, uh, but the big big news is No Evil. And Caleb, you want to talk a little bit about this about the uh, fan art or the fan uh, contest? Uh, yeah. Uh, so. The guys made the best Christmas present ever, and they commissioned a portrait movie poster style thing of all their PCs from the game and gave it to me for Christmas. And so uh, Ross and I got to thinking, and we're going to run a fan contest, and uh, the prizes will be for for the best entries, the top three, you said? Yeah, top three. Top three best entries uh, will be uh, signed copies of the No Evil poster, yeah. which will be slowly revealed with each new yeah. No Evil episode. We'll get a new character every week. Yeah, and so well, every it, episode. Yeah. yeah, it could be anything you're... Uh, yeah, every episode that's posted, sorry. Uh, and uh, it could be anything you want. It could be fan art. It could be fan uh, fiction. Fan fiction. Fan sculpture. Fan sculpture. I would be impressed. You could cosplay as a top hat wearing octopus uh, with (laughs) samurai swords. Be Um, be a good runner. 
R rated or below? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We is the only no. rule. I know there's yeah. rule. I know, but we know about rule 34, but not for the purposes of no, this contest. No, thank you. Yeah, no, no rule 34. <laughs> and uh, no, so yeah. no full on Cyrock action, please. We do not need to see Cyrock that. Cyrock is the only exception. <laughs> I will, I will back up. <laughs> I will, I will. Uh, exception uh, uh, accepted. So, uh, oh. So as he compiled slowly (laughs) into her kernel, there was a logic fault. (laughs) Hot. (laughs) Anyways, uh, so and if you did something like that in total techno speak, that you would be in good play, you know, for for runner up at least. Uh, There, the the contest will go uh, for the conclusion. For it will end uh, on the day. After I post the last episode of No Evil, which I don't have the full schedule yet, but we're going to do a, a, a slightly faster update schedule this this spring for RPPR actual play. We're going to do one at one episode, one new episode every five days, and instead of being like it's previously been two, uh, it's been like one shot, one shot, No Evil, New Arcadia. Now we're going to do one shot, No Evil, New Arcadia, and then go back. So there will be six episodes per month. It would be two episodes of No Evil, two episodes of New Arcadia, and uh, two one-shots. So that, hopefully, you actual play fiends can mainline that into your brain. Did you hear that, listeners? You may survive yeah. to hear the end. <laughs> yeah, well, mine apocalypse didn't happen, so I'm feeling pretty good about uh Yeah, but we're looking for the next apocalypse to happen. So. Eat healthy, wear your seatbelt. Yeah. Don't and worry you about may make it. that 2012 was the <laughs> warmest year on record for the United States. Don't worry about the global warming apocalypse. That's at least a generation away, so we're, we're fine. Stock up on MREs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Learn to tread water. So, uh, and if you have any questions about that, we'll, I'll try and post some more detailed rules uh, on the forums. Oh, international submissions are definitely accepted. We'd be, I'd be happy to mail it out to wherever you are in the world, uh, assuming it's not North Korea, because I don't think they have that over there. Mail, you know, I don't think they have that. If you're our North Korean fan base, you've got a poster. Good regardless. for you. <laughs> Keep fighting the you, good fight. You are, you are risking death for something. Completely inconsequential. <laughs> it, it matters. It matters to Bartleby. Well, Human Rights Watch is also on the internet. <laughs> so you might want to look that? into that. Did you take a left on the internet when you meant to get to? Yeah. All right. Well, so. And also to all other demographics that we have ins- inadvertently insulted over the years. Um, yeah, please come in because we would, and do this contest, we would really like to have you. We're sorry. We are we are terribly sorry. <laughs> we're, 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 we're te- we're, I'm a horrible monster, and I think it's rubbing off on everyone else. So, except Aaron. Aaron's the good one, and Tom is the worst of them all because <laughs> he's not here. Thinks he can sneak away to Seattle before we record an episode for the month. I see how it is. All right. He didn't sneak away. He yeah, pretty he well broadcasted yeah, it. Yeah, no, he didn't. He, he, <laughs> He it's did. you don't listen, Ross. I listen. Okay? I just you listen, listen to the voices well. in your head is I what you listen to. Poorly, but I listened. <laughs> so anyway, backstories, uh, motivations. Let's talk about that stuff. Uh, that was a great segue. Uh, <laughs> Seamless. Prime time. Here I come. So uh, the way I started thinking about this is, you know, just playing in uh, a couple games. Uh, I was just 
wondering, you know, why do we do do characters, do players, do certain things in games? And you know, it started making me think about motivation and backstory. Uh, so, I mean, there's th- sort of three le- layers that you have to think about at any given time in a game. First off, it's the player motivation, and we all know players have different motivations. You know, why are you here to play a game? What is your goal here to play the game? Obviously, it's to have fun, but how do you have fun? And we, you know, we've talked about this before, and we all know that there are different archetypes of players. You know, there's the the guy who just wants to win, you know, there's the guy who's just there because, hey, everybody else is here and there's free food. So let's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then there's the, you know, and then we can go into the, the various archetypes, you know, forever. But uh, so that's one lo- level. And then below that is the player character motivation. And that's, you know, like that comes into conflict sometimes. Where we're like, I am playing a, a headstrong barbarian. And while me, the player knows that's a dumbass decision to charge the orc barbarian you know orc hordes by myself i'm still gonna do it so there's that so there's two separate things and finally there's backstory which informs you know player character motivation which is what the reason why your barbarian does this because he is an orphan parents killed by orcs so you know because obviously all player characters always always <laughs> just like the band dragon sound in miami connection all player characters are orphans. i think at like orc headquarters yeah. there's just like a klaxon alarm when someone conceives <laughs> <laughs> and like a big a big board lights up and they're like we have to go there now <laughs> yeah they must be very busy well i'm also imagining a roulette table somewhere like in the elven highlands they said oh a new orc is born your parents are gone smiths of <laughs> 255 West Street. Have a nice day. No, I bet it's like an Orc Cub Scout like uh, merit badge. Like you have to, <laughs> you have to orphan a human child if you want to become, you know, eagle, uh, giant eagle scout, you know, Phoenix Scout, whatever. I don't know. What, yeah. Scar the mind of our future Slayer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so first off, you know, uh, let's talk about this, you know, player motivations, you know, for, just share your own first, like what motivates you as a player at a game table? Um, I think when you pick your player motivations, if you've been playing a while, yeah. uh, that you should definitely pick something that is within uh, something you're going to find fun to play, right. not necessarily your comfort well, zone. Well, I mean, like you as a player, why? Oh, my play. Yeah, like, yeah. why do I play role yeah, playing yeah. games? Yeah. What oh. is your player motivation at the game table? What are you trying to do? Oh, what am I trying to do? Um, not think about work. <laughs> uh, you know, Dream World of Magic, just yeah. basic escapism stuff. But at the same time, like my escapism. I tends to be in more gritty, I suppose, as yeah. people might assess. So, like, it can't be just Gonzo Star Wars ism. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, but I want a good story because I want to focus on that and not other things. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. What about you? Uh, pretty much, it goes along with Caleb's reasoning of escapism too. It's just a fun thing to do, and of yeah. course, it it's like it also is challenging just because you're trying to essentially storyboard on the spot you're yeah it's like you're creating up this world right now with another group of people and bouncing ideas left and uh, left and right for uh, it's like what is essentially just a group writing activity um except uh, again it's all that's like done that's like done very fast for the most part and it, it's a challenge to be coming up with that especially for somebody like me who uh, whose brain is running 500 miles a minute half the time and cannot get the words out as our PPR fans know. Um, but in any case... I don't know what they've come to expect. True. Um, 
but also it's now the challenge after again playing with you guys for so long just because you've seen me from the beginning that i usually play idealized goody goods half the time just because that's who i want to be but uh, it's also for the fun of now stretching out to see what else i can do just for the villainous roles uh and to really expand how i can actually like work in that so again just for the, more or less for the fun of it yeah. What about you, Ross? <laughs> Tell us. Uh, yeah, for me, for games, um, I always want to see. There, there's kind of like you know the game designer part where I want to see how a game actually works. I always want to you know break it down. Like you know, if you you take you study film for a while, you you don't watch the movie. You analyze how they edit it while you're watching the movie. So it's the same kind of thing for me. And uh, so there's there's that aspect of, it. and then obviously there's the escapism thing. I mean, there's yeah, it's fun. Uh, and, and for me, it's also trying to do something that hasn't been done in a game in a particular game before. Trying to see something new or some kind of story or conflict that I haven't seen before. Um, so you know, taking stupid risks or doing something unusual or playing a different type of character. For me, you know, novelty is like a big driving factor in a in a role playing game. Trying to do something that I haven't done before. So. Uh, that's that's you know motivating me you know specifically um, from from game to game I think you know not just the grand overall thing but like at a particular game table at a particular time that's why like you know my last character Noeva um, was playing you know super you know ultra violent you know assassin type and now I'm like better angels I'm going to play someone very different yeah um, so I, I find myself wanting to do the same thing even though yeah. I haven't played nearly as long as. Nobody yeah. else here. Um, I think there are other motivations as well. I think, like, from the game designer perspective, I think that's in there. Yeah. I think other people don't try to take it that far, but they still like to take it apart. And, like, so the power gamer is really just wants reactive statistical analysis. Like, it's, you know, optimal build. I think that's a lot of reason some people go to right. the player. I think some people want to be useful to the group. Yeah, I think some people want to make characters that save the day at the right moment, even though they're not hogging the spotlight. Yeah. Um, or try I, and grease over like um, tensions in the group or whatever. Like the one guy who always played cleric or whatever, whoever is going to play the utility character that oh yeah else yeah wants to do you know like the oh, useful I'll guy. do that so we won't have argue about yeah. who has to be yeah. I think heel. that's that I yeah. want to be helpful. I think yeah. some people like to hold court. I try and catch myself doing that when I do, yeah. but I think there's some people who just want to well, make everybody laugh I mean, at like, the table regardless oh, of what's yeah, going on. Like, I think and you know there are players that want to be have the limelight like some or most of the time, but then there's the, like the heel bot utility guys. They want to be away from the spotlight. As much there's definitely there's sort of a reactive versus active kind of thing. So um, so yeah, they're, they're 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 and those kind of feed into your decisions for what type of player characters you get. But like so outside of like pre generated characters you do in one shots, you usually have like uh, a choice of how you what your player characters motivations are. You know you get to choose whether you're going to be the revenge driven orphan or the what monster from the manual killed your family. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have a cornucopia of choices. Right. But, I mean, with player character motivation, I think the challenge is, you know, for a lot of people is, like, how do you interpret that? A lot of people seem to think that, like, they they only – there's only 
one interpretation of how that particular character type would act in a given situation when you can come up with a dozen different types of interpretations for like even the headstrong barbarian might be like uh might not charge the orcs directly if he like oh well wait i know there's uh i'll go get the wizard because he has fireball spells and he can kill more than faster or i'll go get the burning oil or i'll go flank them you know or i'll you know try and trick them or something like that yeah so it doesn't have to actually fall into that just that actual niche that you can actually expand just, a little bit outwards I, yeah, a lot of, I think a lot of people seem to think that you're motivations as a player characters lock you into certain decisions and that you cannot possibly do anything else other than what you think is the one you know you know what i mean there's there's only one interpretation and out, unless your character motivation to kill lord zardoz no matter what and as soon as lord zardoz sh- shows up yeah well you got to kill him but you know other than that you don't have to like He's a giant floating head that pukes guns. <laughs> You're not going to win. <laughs> well, that's, you know, he can be delusional. Player characters can dream, can't they? Sean Connery lives inside him in a Speedo. <laughs> You're doomed. <laughs> but that's not, even if that's your obsession, you're not going to, like, you know, that's not going to inform your decision whether to haggle with the storekeeper for, you know, or to shoot the storekeeper. It's not, like, going to doom your character to predestination. A lot of people, yeah, think yeah. it's predestination. And that's actually one of the reasons, at least concerning something like D&D, I really never liked the alignment charts just because that seemed really to lock you into what you were supposed to playing. And again, most people, especially if you're be only beginning to play, it can seem kind of confusing saying, oh, you, this is the path you have to follow. These are the set, strict set of rules that you have to go for. Um, if it doesn't work out that way, then you're obviously going against your character type and you are worried that the game master is obviously going to punish you well, for Well, they that. don't really say like what the specific rules are. They say what your, your character believes and doesn't believe in. But like again, that's open to interpretation. Outside of the paladin, of course, you know, every they're, they're, the paladin was dealing with a specific code of conduct, like tithe to the church or something like that. That's pretty black and white. But. Yeah, and and in certain cases, like when we did the uh, Dark Sun campaign, I still chose a lawful good character, but yeah. essentially I made him into just the gritty punisher version of a lawful good. Well, character. I mean, that's, that's a great. Example. It was Dark Sun, but still, I mean, that's a good example because, like, you know, I remember in the Dark Sun campaign early on, there was like a situation. Where like I think uh, Caleb, maybe you have better memory of this, like uh, burning the bodies or having to get rid of them or something like that. Aaron took a stand on that. Do you remember? Uh, I just remember him like trying to murder Jason for <laughs> stealing something or something like. I mean, it was. Yeah. Do you remember one yeah, of umpteen million times he tried enough. to murder Jason? Yeah. <laughs> what, what I think of when you when I'm hearing you talk about this is uh, Preston and No Evil because yeah. when Tom first rolled him up and he's like a human loving, human-appeasing octopus. I thought it was just Tom's typical I want to be a monster but not, you know, role-play octopus physiology or go with the uplift thing um, which is, you know, in the book, it's uplifts or yeah. You know, the the great persecuted masses, they're the stand-in for all minorities in right, modern right. society. And, and I thought he was just, you know, <laughs> skipping that for re- But it turned out to be a really intriguing across the campaign because, well, he did start that way. He eventually had to shift. Uh, but at the same time, he was never a fanatic, and he kind of looked down on that, and it kind of grounded his character. So, yeah, he played against type, and I think he did it intentionally, and it, it, it worked. So uh, at the same time, you know, you don't want to go to metagaming levels where your barbarian suddenly knows how to read that magic scroll and <laughs> banish Dagon or whatever. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but because then, yeah, the PC motivations always come from backstory, and that's sort of like you know the, what the episode's about. Um, you know, I know before the show we were talking sort of about like there's kind of a, you, you mentioned there's sort of a spectrum of backstory, and the backstory yeah, there's no I think we all agree that there's no one golden rule for backstory in a game. I know you you know there's not like too much or too little for backstory. I think that spectrum has no end. Yeah. Like there are people who roll in and it's like we're playing a game, okay. Yeah. It'll be numbers McDice. <laughs> and play uh, stuff. How do you know numbers McDice is a fine night of the realm? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's other people that like will start a blog and write an 80-page novella about everything their character did before the five game campaign like yeah. I don't think it has an end it's a ray not a line like yeah, in yeah. both directions so. <laughs> uh, yeah but yeah so there, but there's no one point on that that line that says like this is where everyone should be for regardless of game or genre or whatever definitely else. yeah yeah um, I mean I think that, that that's kind of the thing that there, I, I, the thing is, a lot of people think that more is better, and you know, a lot of those eighty-page backstories they just go on and on and on. But like, one, not, not everyone's going to read them, and two, you know, th- is that going to help? Is that going to really make your your playing better? Yeah, not necessarily. Especially if you run into the problem that if you set up this an elaborate backstory, and then the even if you give it to the GM, he may he or she may not actually use that into it. It's a, a detail that might not even come up. So. It's, and unfortunately, in that case, you might feel that that was wasted effort or um, that your character is not getting the kind of attention that you wanted it to just because this that's like you're giving all this information through its backstory, not its actions. So. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Um, and, and if it's TLDR, I mean, and your GM doesn't know about it, they can end up writing scenarios that put your entire character's ethos in an impossible situation yeah. and not like a dramatic one, just one that like you would not do. Like yeah. if the Imperium killed your family <laughs> and the whole campaign is set in, you know, saving the Imperium, like you're, it's not even dramatically interesting. It just yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. Like I leave. I blow up <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah. Full pop up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it could be backstory can be an anchor. Yeah, uh, I think there's another way too. Like some players use it to try and sabotage control, like to 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 try and take over the game. Like, like a lot of times, you see the people who are invested enough in their their PC to write a backstory like that use it as a sort of a weapon to like say, "I am the chosen one." There's a prophecy, and I have the uh, yeah, yeah, and the, the Mary Sue and Gary Stu stuff, which yeah, yeah. I, I fully admit I fell into a trap early early on when i started playing that thankfully it's it's gone away but it, it's hard not to do that to yeah. basically say um this happened well and actually there's a good example of that when i was first creating up uh, a robot assassin uh <laughs> steel centurion um i had actually made up this backstory that he had actually been the armor that was grafted to him was essentially given to him by some rebellion. It's like the person of the rebellion on this off world, which again was stupid. Thankfully Ross talked me out of that one. And I came up with a much better idea of like, Oh wait, it was just grafted onto him as an experiment and something happened and he got away. So, but yeah, you, that's a trap you really don't want to fall into half the time. I mean, that actually brings up a really good point. One of the other ideas I, I realized is like, I'm preparing to do run the games, uh, a couple games online for uh, as part of the Kickstarter support for base raiders. You know, people pay; they want they have their online game, and people were sending me their backstories for their their the the set in base raiders, and they always like 
there's something I, I really noticed about the superhero genre. I don't know. And I'm sure it's been observed before, but like almost everybody in the superhero genre is always a victim of circumstance. Like, you can't want your power. Yeah, you, you can't want your power unless it's like you're just a hardcore, natural fanatic like Batman. You don't have powers or whatever. You know, then you don't. You're always destined for it. It's always an accident. You're always a victim. You know, you're just chosen by someone to be the bearer of justice or whatever, the champion of justice. It's just a really and. I mean, I understand that's that's or you're born an alien or whatever. You know, it's it's um, you're the last son of blah blah blah, and your parents are dead, and you have, yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, even Batman yeah. could have bootstrapped himself into godhood, yeah, a million different times, but he doesn't want to. Like, yeah. it's a big. You're you're right. It's a trope I didn't think about before, but yeah, uh, your the backstory certainly reveal that you can't want to be a superhero. And for me, like even that, in New Arcadia, my hair, my character was an accident. Yeah, uh, Tom's was. As no, well. he, he didn't want to be a bat. He no, wanted no, no. to be super strong. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to be super strong. It was just a side. But effect. he still wanted to be a bat. Did Silver Centurion want to be? Well, mine was a little bit different because um, uh, Alex was actually very enamored with the idea of the superheroes, and that's uh, like in the entire and the golden age that went by when the uh, yeah the ideal was gone. Um, and of course, he went to go seek his powers out. It's like intentionally, although he did it in the dumbest way by essentially buying right. a one-way so ticket to Russia fine. and then going through an interdimensional portal. Yeah, and that so that was that was actually Jason worth it. inherited it. I think the only person who actually wanted superpowers was Drew. Thad, Thad did too. Oh, Thad did too. Yeah, he, yeah. But well, he didn't want to die. Yeah, but that's a. You that's the thing. Po- Even if you want power, it can't be the power you wanted. Like <laughs> you can't succeed if you want a ring of power. You turn into a giant squid. Like <laughs> if you want to be a giant squid, you get a ring of power, and you're just some dude. Like it's the law of superheroics, I suppose. I mean, yeah. So it, it kind of creates an inter- interesting challenge for me because Base Raiders is yeah you know, superhero world, but. It's a world where everyone has DIY superpowers. It's all do it yourself. Uh, you can't. The the idea is because for me it's sort of an illogical thing because uh, like there's one guy one person who who wanted to do this online game and he said okay my guy signed up for these medical trials you know to test some drug or whatever all right fine it turns out evil secret faceless corporation A was using it to try out this new technology to make super assassins and he's kind of like Common Rider but you know he's he's super badass or whatever <laughs> and he fell in love with the head scientist of the lab and they escaped and they're on the run and. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, that's that's kind of a standard superhero thing. You'd hear that in Marvel or DC a lot of times. You know, not their best comics, but you would see that kind of thing. And for me, it's like that doesn't. From the point of what the hell reason would the corporation do that to some random schlub? Like that's got to cost millions of dollars to turn some guy into a death cyborg that looks like Common Rider. Yeah, and the fact know? that you have absolutely no guarantee that he's going to follow your directions. Yeah, yeah what if than- he's crazy? What if he's a coward? What if he's, you know, not even like he like, doesn't mind killing people? Their budget <laughs> ran out at psychological <laughs> Yeah, <speed. laughs> apparently. Like you have to get psychological testing at like Home Depot. If you have, they, have, they have all kinds of that, that kind of HR stuff. You think they would do that for that. They would at least like pay the janitor hey you want a pay raise you know there's not a union job but there's great health benefits you know uh, so 
a lot of these these, these kind of, so that's that's what I was thinking. So like for base raiders, one of the challenges is to like write in the book like, hey, you have to your character has to want to have to superpowers. You're not a victim of circumstance. You got powers because you chose to get them. Yeah. So that that kind of changes the assumptions, you know. Yeah. And granted, if you want afterwards to become the victim of circumstance, well, that's and, fine, and for yeah. things to happen too. Again, like with my character essentially coming out of a portal two years later and then realizing, oh wait, I'm nope, everything's dead. Well, time to be a homeless robot, and so. Yeah. And then there was another guy um, whose first concept was like, he was a cop. He fought an evil wizard. The evil wizard killed him with magic. But the magic actually animated his corpse. But it's a demon-possessed corpse. So he woke up in his coffin three months later and broke his way out. And for me, it's like, well, if you're a cop and this is a world of superheroes and magic and shit like that, this this stuff is publicly known because cops are shooting evil wizards in the streets. You know, why wouldn't you just go back to the precinct and say, hey, can I get some deodorant? And, you know, I'm kind of, hey, how you guys doing? You know, like, that, why, wouldn't you go, yeah, why don't you go back to your own life? You and, know? and that's almost verbatim to a Hellboy character's origin yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so. I mean, I think we're being negative about the yeah. more end of the backstory spectrum. Yeah. And I think it can be bad. But as, as a more end of the back spectrum backstory person, yeah. I, I yeah. say there are definite benefits to it as well. Rather yeah, than right. just so, all, all all bad stuff. So. I think I think the key is understanding like what the purpose of a backstory is, which is to help inform your character's motivations and provide the GM with material to improve the campaign. Well, yeah. your your key is to make your backstory our backstory, yeah. like part of a that's a really good point collective yeah. thing. Like yeah. so, like and sometimes it can really help games. Like I, I was watching Community the other day, and they yeah. had a model UN, yeah. and it was a model UN off. The two model UNs were competing yeah. against each other, and Abed, God love him, our nerd totem animal. Um, <laughs> that's the best way I've heard. Starts it. off explaining like he's like, well, how are there two UNs? He's like, I don't know. Are there two Earths? Yeah, in parallel universes. Yeah, and he's like, okay. Cool, 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 and and then they move on. And it's not mentioned again for the rest of the episode. But the Greendale team is losing, and then they burst through the backdrop. Yeah, and then Abed says that they dedicated all their nation's resources to breaching the dimensional wall, <laughs> and they wanted to make a dual world UN to have an even more united nations, <laughs> and that's how they win it. And that's like the benefit of backstory in gaming, like. You know it. You may motivate your characters secretly, but otherwise, it's not like the focus of anything. But at the right moment, if it comes up, you get good things. So I think yeah. the latest new Arcadia episode, the the Ludian Bluff, yeah. where I tell everyone is my slaves and don't worry, just let us pass. Like I don't think I could have done that without yeah. my backstory just laying back there. Uh, but I, I think it was a cool player moment. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just for those of you who don't listen to the New Arcadia campaign, uh, after the players save the Earth from a uh, giant asteroid collide, you know, headed being piloted towards Earth by an evil, crazy, bad person uh, who the players blew up, I think, uh, or shot dead. Because they're, you know, authority kind of heroes. And this, uh, this is in a Warren Ellis universe. And we'll, uh, Don't I'm screw gonna, with us. I'm not going to lie to you. And uh, so they're on their spaceship on the way back, and they get contacted by the Ludians, the alien empire that, you know, tried to conquer Earth back in the 70s and failed. And I said, hey, what's going on, you guys? And then, Caleb? I My backstory is I am uh, the product of leftover Ludian technology, and I have like a mind melt with it, so I speak their tongue. So I basically just lied and said like these are my useless pawns and Ludian, and 
<laughs> we're we're going off and don't interrupt my mission or the high council will know of it. Yeah. And I think it was an encounter. You seem to have it kind of planned and yeah. just like flub 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 flub. Moving on. <laughs> uh but it was cool. I, but like more than like random player benefits, I also think it helps you make far more interesting choices as a player to have that backstory and inform me. That's yeah. why I kind of like to play people who are suboptimal. Yeah. And not just constantly plowing through everything because you know yeah conflict is drama and sometimes you have to generate some player conflict and not some it depends GM on the type of campaign like in no evil I, I try to optimize my character because i wanted to get through the i wanted to see like my 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 biggest fear in no evil is not being able to uh, to pick, look under every rock in the campaign and see what you had planned you know like that was my fear i was like i want to see what else fucked up thing is here oh yeah i mean it was horrible for bartleby and pick up the gold brick like i was entertained so you know that, that and we're completionists we were trying to get you totally work completely. <laughs> Scum's form is supposed to go like two seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, there's that, and you know, I, I, I think that's a, the, sort of the idea is like to to contribute to the main game. But I mean, for me, my problem a, a lot of back, backstories is that there's either too much or too like if there's too little, that's fine because you can always generate conflict in the game itself. Plot, but if there's too much material, even if it's not like the the sort of game stealing like chosen one you know kind of bs that you get sometimes like it's the there's just so much material you can't keep track of all of it like tom in new arcadia was hard to, sometimes like he he wrote a lot of stuff for his guy and there's sometimes it was hard to like integrate that in the game and i could really only do like one plot line at a time he had like two or like three plot lines is dead wife you know getting revenge on the germans uh, dealing with his son and then trying to reconnect with his grandson. So like, there was only so many plot lines I could weave into the camp. I th- I thought they were good though. Like, yeah, no, they were, were good. some good moments in there, and yeah, you know, but yeah, you couldn't get to everything. Yeah. yeah, but since you're all negative Nelly on the more plot lines, I'm gonna go against not enough backstory. <laughs> oh really? Because there's some definite yeah. negatives to not enough backstory. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there is a thing where it, uh, uh, like, it drew second character for the new Arcadia campaign. Uh, definitely fell in that. His first one was great. You know, the uh, the guy who lied about being in the ideal. You know, like that that generated a lot of uh, friction in that. <laughs> Which is a one sentence backstory. Yeah, but it still did fine. But the other guy was I am other people and stuff. <laughs> I am KGB assassin. <laughs> Who wants to be a hero for some reason? Like KGB assassin. Not even like I can just change into other people. It's I am a former murderer for. Uh, yeah, it's mur- kind of like he just wandered out of Watchmen for some reason and said, "Hey, yeah. guess what? I'm on your team now." Yeah, exactly. So, and but and like I, I like Drew as a player, but sometimes like with the No Evil campaign, I thought Max was good in terms of player conflict. I couldn't tell you with a gun to my head why he was in Firewall. Yeah. Why are you a member of this super spy organization? I'll figure it out later. I I, I don't know. <laughs> like, like I mean, it, he came in the campaign at a really good time because everyone was freaked out by Cognite, and he decided he worked for them. Yeah. And everyone hated and distrusted each other because they thought Bartleby was insane, and Cyrock had literally gone mad. So, like, he came in at a good time, and it, and it totally worked, but... As the campaign went on, I'm like, why are you throwing your life away 
to stop this crazy stuff, and I, I still don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I think not enough backstory. And, like, I also think not enough backstory is why one, some one-shots fall apart. Yeah. You know, uh, you know your pre-gen McStuffy stuff, and you come in there and you do things for reasons that <laughs> are unbeknownst to everybody. Well, give me like pre-Jenny stuffy stuff. Like, come on. Well, like, what, all right, all right, uh, okay. Yeah, we uh, have uh, the the Gats, the Long Island game. Yeah, when I let people make their dirty yeah. little characters. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I am a fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> you doing it? You, right? you knew full well what the plot was. I am a fisherman. Uh, period. I try. Timely tuna. Okay. Yeah. In in retros <laughs> in hindsight <laughs> and retrospect. <laughs> Oh, I have the mic now. Yeah, fuck yeah, it. You have get the, the You explain. Get the hell. Oh, yeah, I'll explain this. No, in, in retrospect, it probably would have been a better idea to have actually made him maybe uh, a gangster or a law or no actually a cop uh, some well not a cop but if i wanted to keep i wanted to keep the fisherman angle but <laughs> put him under like david or somebody else who was obviously part of the crime syndicate and he was some lower level enforcer if i wanted to keep just, it to that that was just his day job his alibi yeah essentially his alibi so he's and really and a gangster disguised as a fisherman well yeah well just a mook really which would be yeah. that somebody a who gang, a mook is still a gangster okay yeah we'll just do that they so still get that title yeah a gangster too but also of course being a dirty world actually running the alcoholism angle especially during yeah, prohibition a smuggler disguised as a fisherman yeah. someone who but, smuggled booze in on a boat but of course said, oh i'm a fisherman dirt, that dirt, right, dirt. that may have been better in hindsight yeah. however I really was kind of since this is a dirty world and of course this is Caleb about con- constant internal conflict I just kind of wanted to input this character who got caught up into it who was dealing with his own personal demons of trying to salvage his failing marriage and getting over his addiction to the bottle <laughs> when did you tell me all this because <laughs> this is news to me is- you were a fisherman <laughs> <laughs> Alcoholic fisherman <laughs> with secrets. Like there's there's secrets, and then there's secrets you keep from God. I mean, like you can't turn, you can't if you can't hide it from God, then it doesn't count. It doesn't happen. Uh, I, I think I have my thesis statement for the con side of the less spectrum. Yeah. All right. The demands of the four, like the demands of narrative, will intervene, and you will have a backstory. Whether you craft one explicitly or conscientiously or not, are you free to associate random words? <laughs> and then you become a Mormon polygamist Scientologist, <laughs> like in the haunting. And like, I'm not making any of this stuff up. Like, if you if you let it go without a backstory, you're gonna get one. And occasionally, like when you play long form games in a campaign, you develop a really interesting subplot, like yeah. uh, Augustine and Cyrox's relationship, which yeah. just developed organically through. 20 sessions of the game, which is one of the cooler, more interesting subplots in the yeah, game. definitely. And not planned out at all. But then in shorter play, you get just nonsensical, crazy moments. Like uh, Jason won't take off his armor because <laughs> PTSD means you don't have... You don't not wear armor. <laughs> like, like you get crazy things like that that aren't like interesting choices that are just in, in the way that like it yeah. creates drama, it's just 
inexplicable. Yeah, and, that was the thing with like with uh, Jason. Yeah, or like that again. But that's, it got better as the game. Yeah, went no, on. I mean, it wasn't with Jason. Is that the kind of thing I was talking about earlier? Like my motivation means I can only act in this way, and you can't. I cannot interpret it any possible other way. You know. Yeah, I don't think that's a too much backstory yeah. problem. I think that's a not enough backstory problem. I don't. What I, happened that gave you PTSD? Yeah, not like. Acronym means armor all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, well, I mean, again, it's like the thing is, you could still, yeah, interpret a PTSD character who could take the armor off and uh, just then suffer the skill penalties or something like that, or just then, you know, starts yelling at people or starts, you know, being twitchy or something like that. There are other ways of manifesting it. It's that, that a lot of people, players, think that, like, if I'm if my mo- my PC motivation is this, I have to act like this, no matter just the same reproach, regardless, you know. And it's like saying that you it's know, a if, balancing act yeah, between it, going off the rails of your yeah. character's PC. Well, it's like saying you're it's, it's, dogmatist. It's yeah. a, there, there's a difference between like uh, like it's a, if you're saying you're a soldier and you're only valid tactic is to charge the enemy blindly like there might be times when that that's a valid choice when you need to get there as quickly as possible like if they're stunned by a flashbang or something like that but there's that doesn't mean you're a bad soldier if you go around the side or you snipe them or something like that it just means you're being a soldier differently and so it's like if you're you have ptsd you can manifest that in different ways i mean if you like that's one of the big things in mental illness in the real world is that it manifests in different ways so people don't always you like you can't just oh that's PTSD. Oh, that's OCD. That's this. That's that. Because people act differently. And so. Which, yeah. which isn't to say, like, your character should constantly be doing useful, intelligent things. Like, yeah. I really admire people who say so much in character that they do dumb shit. Yeah. Like, I really admire the person who fails the perception role and fails that other perception role that the GM <laughs> gives it and then fails it a third time and then walks into the dark room by themselves. Like, yeah. I really admire the person who does not metagame that. There's like, nope, nothing here. And they're like, because they're staying in character. So yeah. it depends. Yeah, it depends on the circumstance. But I think a lot of people fall. I, I mean, I've seen that so many times that, like, you have to act in this way, especially if you try and dictate. Like, another thing I hated in uh, dealing with motivation is how players trying to dictate how other players should act. And I know I'm probably, <laughs> I'm definitely violating this. Monster but, mind control. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> but, like, oh, no, your guy wouldn't do that. Or, like, uh, you know, just that kind of, that commentary or trying to, coaching them in certain ways. I don't know. I, I don't I have a huge problem yeah. with that. I don't think anybody's yeah, yeah. news is that. I like. I think of a plan that I think is neat, and I want that to be the plan. So, yeah. I really need to play the dumb barbarian who's a like one and intelligent and screams and charges and everything because uh, I need to like get out of my zone in <laughs> doing that. So, but yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And it's also good when you can, it, you need to find that balance where you can mesh. The GM has to mesh his own his own storyline with the backgrounds of everybody else. Again, pretty successfully, like Caleb did with uh, with uh, No Evil, and the fact that everybody's backstory, who really crafted out a, a primary one, managed to get a lot of the limelight in there too. And even the odd ones like mine. That again, when I created Cyrock, he pretty much was like, "Hey, happy robot who is wanting to be helpful to you," and. That's like, and then <laughs> how'd kind of, that work out for him? Hey, <laughs> uh, pretty damn well. Except that my entire program batch is probably uh, deleted now. But yeah. you know, yeah, well, we don't want to spoil the game anyway. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I, well, I, I think I, that's already happened. I, I admire you, your character, Aaron, because you know 
the group developed the majority of the backstory. Like, and you ran with the it, shareware too. thing, yeah. the befuddlement algorithm. So, like, if if you trust your group to come up with stuff like that, like that's a great way to do it. Yeah, because um, I, I mean, the, on the flip side, I think the, the one mistake is trying to force people to have a certain amount of backstory. Like, if you make it homework or something like that, you're not going to get, like... if it, The players have to want to have to develop the backstory. Does that make sense? Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it's not enjoyable. If you if you are not getting anything out of crafting a history for this character, then it's useless. So. Yeah. But at the same time, if, you're, if something in the narrative happens and the GM needs to have pretended your character existed before the first dice hit the table... Yeah. And you have come up with nothing. You can't constantly negate what they come up with. Oh no, my character wouldn't do that. Well, why wouldn't your character do yeah. that? Like, what what grounds do you have to make that? True. Because you know, if if you're gonna leave it blank, you can't get angry if someone scribbles in there. That's a, yeah. Uh, Good. Point. I mean, if you think so, about it, like in a movie, like you know, we see uh, the the establishing shot, we see a character walking around. We don't know that character's backstory yet. That's gradually introduced to us through the course of the movie. And so what the character does becomes defines that character. And when, you know, if you don't have that pre-written backstory, if you have a very minimal one, then that that's kind of the, your actions in the game define your character. And so, yeah, if you're playing a cowardly guy who hides and runs away and you're like, oh, well, OK, well, you're you're cringing because uh, everyone calls you, you know, yellow. Like, no, my character is brave and fearless and all these other attributes and blah, blah, blah. Well, you run away every time there's a guy with a knife, you yeah. know, you know, we're just going with what you're handing us. So, I mean. Uh, you kind of you, yeah. You, if you don't create a backstory, if you don't try and say my guy is like this, uh, you kind of have to go with what you do in the game, and you kind of. I think you know one thing we were also talking about early uh, before the show is uh, talking about how game mechanics fall on us. We mentioned touched on this a little bit earlier with the Paladin Code of Conduct, uh, Code of Conduct, which is certainly one of the first attempts at that. Uh, you know, like you lose your paladin hood if you don't do these things. Yeah. And, but games have come along a little since then uh, in terms of game mechanics. And I think, I don't know, Better Angels is a lot about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Better Angels and then A Dirty World yeah. both, you know, really encourage, if not backstory, your character needs a definite motivation yeah. as a PC uh, because you're going to be bashing against each other socially and emotionally. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think it's just that. I mean, I think a game's. Other than just like you can't have your character if you aren't this alignment, which yeah. which is how it started. I think games are finding a lot of ways to reward backstory. I think that's. I mean, that's not what I do for backstory. Yeah, yeah. If we post something on the forums, you'll you'll reward it explicitly. But yeah. like in Eclipse phase, if you achieve a motivation, you get a moxie point. Yeah. If you lose motivation, you get a hit. In um, wild talents, if you're uh, what were they originally called? We didn't touch on them much, but your identity and like something passions. Like, your passions. Yeah. If your passions get hit, you lose all your willpower. Yeah. But if you protect them, you gain a bunch. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, the fate system with aspects, like your your backstory is the power of your character. And you need to use that aspect in a negative way to gain those point fate points back so you can charge your ability. <laughs> exactly. So. Like so you have to have a backstory to play really. uh, in fate and in uh, Nice Black's Agents, yeah. the recent gumshoe system, there are things that encourage you to come up with backstory on the fly. Like, so your preparedness skill, because it's a thriller, they don't want you to spend out, they don't want you to do it with the Caleb route and make a 
insane convoluted plan. They want you to roll your preparedness skill, and if you make it, you've thought to bring the rocket launcher along. <laughs> or there was a tripwire across that hallway you were running down. And so it establishes that. But it's the same thing with contacts. Like, oh, no, we worked in Helsinki together. And so it's like you said, it reveals black story through play, yeah. even though you do it mechanically, and yeah. I would use it to break the game. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and then uh, if you haven't read it, Hill Folk... Yeah, is just that. improv theater. Yeah. Like it, you know, it goes very far into this. So I think more games, as t- compared to you know riffs, <laughs> the thinking are, are encouraging. It's about thinking, not about are encouraging <laughs> this style of play mechanically as well as you know just to tell a good story. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. So I don't know, Aaron. Any, any thoughts on that? Um, nothing else that pretty much yeah. Caleb went over on there is that you, yeah, you pretty much. Um, that's uh, pretty much a lot of the systems right now that he mentioned right now are mechanically rewarding for that backstory on the fly. Too, um, I haven't gotten to read the all through Knights Black Agents yet, which I really like to. But yeah, for being able to come up on the spot too, and I like that also. That really encourages player cooperation as well, so you can actually get everybody else there, into the game and integrate their storylines. There's actually one thing in Fate. Uh, all Fate, most uh, well, all the versions I've read so far have like. Character creation is done as a group, and you do it in phases. And you know, like in Spirit of the Centuries, like how are you? What'd you do in the war? World War One? What'd you do in this? And then, like, oh, what about your crossover adventure? You know, like everyone has to have one section of their their character creation is defined by some adventure they had with another PC. So, like with that, that serialized and, format, um, like that the base old readers strips. will definitely have something like that as well. And a strange fate has that Kerberos Club. Um, which well, well, Dresden. Before you even make characters, you have to design yeah. and conceptualize an entire city. Yeah, like I don't know how you run a one shot in Dresden Files. If someone can tell me, send us an email because <laughs> well, you just have to do this like entire conceptual meeting. And like, it's not like something you can skip. There are serious mechanical. Benefits and detractors based on where in the city you're from and what yeah. your motivations are each in there. Because part of the city has different aspects. And you yeah, can, yeah. You can always draw on those aspects if you're in that part of the city. Exactly. Example. So, you know, a, a lot of games are focusing far more heavily on this than, say, yeah. even Call of Cthulhu or anything like that. Yeah, like, Cthulhu, yeah. Cthulhu is very, yeah, yeah, because they're trying different things. Cthulhu is obviously trying to emphasize you're in a materialistic universe with nearly omnipotent super aliens that are fucking your shit up you know yeah. <laughs> no one cares about your motivations <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so uh, you are here to die you are here to maybe delay the inevitable <laughs> <laughs> that's the best case scenario by your death yeah so. uh let's yeah, feed your body into the mill though. give it some more grist. all right so um, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's the main thing about motivation. It's it's supposed to help game. A lot of people think of you know it's not a tool to punish players. Like you need to five pages of backstory or the next game, or you will be penalized. And it's not something to to rest control the game or to attack other players with. You know, to try and say, oh, my guy hates orcs. Oh, hi, I know you're an orc barbarian. Well, I guess I'll be poisoning your oatmeal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's that's you know one thing about motivations and backstories I hate are, are characters that always give themselves excuses to be assholes in the game. You know, like the, I'm randomly possessed by a demon, or I'm a berserker. Like, berserker's the big one. Like, oh, I attack people randomly in battle. If I, I'm uh, unstoppable, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, which is a, a problem when you, especially you have cer- uh, certain players who will want to min-max and just create a, a gigantic... Well, it's about being disruptive in the there. group. Yeah, which know. is there, or, uh, again, I've 
probably brought up the example, no names will be mentioned in this one, um, but uh, there was a game I played a while ago where essentially we were playing two vampire characters, um, and one of the things I did was I slid, a, I essentially slid a note underneath his door, and then uh, we were using vampire at the time, so I used oh, uh, Tenembrous form, I think, or Obtenembrous form, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, to basically shadow travel. one? Yeah, it was, it was basically that yeah. shadow traveling. or oh, what yeah. it, it was the shadow power, but I was just using it as an offshoot to travel because I was being a dork. And he became so incest with his character that he started building up all... The, he demanded that the GM allow him to build all these insane defenses in his house so nobody could ever get in. Yeah. And we literally had to go through this insane unlocking process every single time. Yeah, that's like obviously clearly the game of motivation. Oh, my guy's paranoid that somebody's trying to hurt me, you know? So, But it only I'm came gonna... up on the spot, though, just because I wandered through, slid a note, and then disappeared into the yeah. ether. So. Yeah, not 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 a good time. Uh, and just so you know, Caleb, in Vampire the Masquerade and Vampire the Requiem, basically vampires have superpowers, but they have silly names. So you know, I don't play World of Darkness <laughs> yet. <laughs> I don't play World. Of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that will make some people sad. Uh, but anyways, um, so yeah, motivation is there uh, to help the game better. I mean, or to make the game better, not to to, to punish or make the game suck. So come up with some motivation not too much not too little and uh make it appropriate for the game and for the group and for the players too you know um because every group has its own different dynamics so anyways uh any other final thoughts on motivation uh make characters together if you can yeah that helps if at least talk it out. Like, you know, maybe you don't have to do all One the dice. One is not a techno priest and the other guy's Amish. Like, yeah. <laughs> that would be the that best would be, sitcom ever. That would be the best buddy cop movie <laughs> ever. But that's the thing. Like, even in a buddy cop movie, if, yeah. you know, he's near retirement and that guy's a loose cannon, they're both cops. Yeah. Like, it, they, they can't be too different. It's not like a little girl and a talking name. dog yeah. and a mecha warrior and, you know... That's just it, an Alan Moore comic. Yeah, it can't, yeah, it's an Alan Moore comic, which don't work anymore. <laughs> so don't put it in your game. Alan Moore, don't Ooh. hate us. We, we want to like it. And I have again. a name for that buddy cop movie already, Wi-Fi and the Beard. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and with that. Well, that's the next game, <laughs> Wi-Fi and the Beard. Done. <laughs> All right. Uh, Challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we change the show name to Wi-Fi and the Beard, we'll have uh, uh, Shadow San Diego. No letter because Tom's gone. And we're back. So, uh, again, no letter, but uh, we'll do another episode after Tommy gets back. So, you know, those of you who missed that won't be, uh, hopefully, have to go too long without. Yeah, the post Seattle extravaganza. Yes, I'm sure Tom will be talking all about that. And uh, so, anyway, we are first going to do shout outs and just get one out of the way first. I, I've been talking about a couple of Kickstarters I backed recently. Uh, I did just, just I, three separate listeners have emailed me about this Kickstarter and uh, others have messaged me about it. I just want to get it that way. Uh, I, the World of Cinnabar republished. Uh, I, there has been one that is successful. There's still five, six days left. And I backed it at the, the you PDF. son of a bitch. <laughs> at the $15. You doomed us all. <laughs> My $15 did not make or break this Kickstarter, sir. <laughs> 
I am not. I bear no success. Oh, okay, okay. I, I want to bring out something first, though, just yeah. with this, because I'm aware of this Kickstarter, too. Yeah. And the fact that this is the, actually the second variant yeah, no, of this one, because the first one asked how much money? $55,000. $55,000. Thousand dollars, and you should. I'm not sure if it's online anymore, but there is an insane list of detailed spending, yeah, expenditure. expenditures. No, it's still online. Is it? Yeah, for how well, Raven McCracken's profile. Look at him. Yeah, speaking of Raven McCracken, <laughs> I'm going to pass the mic over to Caleb now. All right, here's my theory, and Raven, feel free to correct me on this. <laughs> My theory is that Raven McCracken did not actually write this version of Kickstarter. Yeah. Here's why. He didn't ask for $11 billion to write an RPG PDF. Um, when you, pick, like, you click on the photo, it's the best photo in the book. And it's not because you're like, I really want to play that character or, oh, that looks epic. The, the photo before you click on the video is a raccoon in a wool jumpsuit Standing in a pristine meadow with a rocket launcher, checking his watch. (laughs) (laughs) The context of the picture alone is just enough to blow your mind. And I've been playing for all of two weeks when he showed me Cinnabar. And I looked at that photo in this house and said, that is the greatest RPG picture I have ever seen. I know! And... um. When they when they talk about like all the rewards and like describe the product as like all the eleventy billion sun missile damage <laughs> yeah, and where, yeah. like they mention the most insane parts of the book like I feel like it's some the- of the Kickstarter updates that sound like freeform poetry you know, like working on Starship engine upgrades maybe <laughs> the proton fusion cannons we'll I do don't more. doubt that Raven McCracken is like getting the money or something but in terms of like designing the Kickstarter itself I'm I'm not convinced because like. This seems to be grounded in somewhat reality, whereas the first one was, who, who, I don't know. Okay, now, to explain my my motivation to back this project. He has your address, Ross. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's about I, to. No, he's not, because you only give the address, only I would have to, you have to, you're not familiar with the Kickstarter process. They have to do a survey, and then I would have to fill it out and give it, and I'm Ross, get, your motivation is RPG hipsterism. No, it and is. And you need to admit it. it there, there is, okay, the, uh, let me explain the rule. The you thing, liked Cinnabar before it was cool. <laughs> I did, you son of a bitch. I did. Drink that Pap Flu Ribbon in I your archive fair t-shirts. <laughs> Anyways, I really did. Um... I'd heard about years before I even got a copy of the book. And anyway, um, so, okay, the real motivation is that in the greater context of things, in the greater context of the world, the universe, all RPG, they're, 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 the, the degrees of difference between, say, something like Hill Folk or Knights Black Agents or Fate Corps and Cinnabar, and these are all imaginary elf games. You're all imaginary elves playing pretend elf games in elf world land, regardless of what they are. <laughs> and the degree of difference between Knights Black Agent and Cinnabar versus Knights Black Agents and Shakespeare are pretty different. Like, they're, they're Cinnabar and Knights Black Agents or Eclipse Phase are much closer together than Eclipse Phase and Shakespeare. So, like, there but for the grace of Cthulhu or of, of Gygax goes I. <laughs> And uh, so because I write and design RPGs, I feel obligated to help someone else who is so enthusiastic about his vision. Like, he is not – because the thing is, there is worse out there. You see, oh, my God, Cinnabar is so bad. No, it is not – 
It is not, sir. Fatal. So for that, <laughs> yeah. he deserves compensation. A subsidy, if you will, uh, well, to not go the fatal <laughs> route. Ross, let, let's just be honest here. Let, let's be honest about your motivations. You really want to support the Ed Wood of role-playing games, don't I you? Do. Who d- d- you act as though that is not a noble no, thing I, to do, sir. I didn't do, say sir. a noble thing. I just that want you to be honest thing. about this. So you, I ask you, why are you not supporting the Ed Wood? It's not that I oh, am, no, is that I, you aren't. No, I will say this yeah. right now, because I looked at the picture of the man himself. Yeah. I'm sure he's completely and utterly nice to talk to. I'm sure I have he nothing is. against him. But he is sitting there in a tactical vest, <laughs> lo- wearing the hairstyle that was out of style when Gary Oldman had it in the fifth element. <laughs> yeah. Ross, you've swayed me. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. I apologize. <laughs> You are just helping your fellow artists yeah. achieve their goals. So, internet, Kickstarters, send Ross Payton all of your links, because he'll support you out of the goodness of his heart. No, if you no, have no, no, submissions no. No, that you would no, like him to help no, get, because he's no. just in it for the industry, and you're not Shakespeare either. So, he'll accept <laughs> submissions at the RPPR mailing list, and you he'll read and pre- we'll, If read you and pre- are read in the- it as long as Raven McCracken... If you have the... Oh, wait. Other people don't have the cred? <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't have the perseverance. They're not industry It's the perseverance. Once you write a world at Cinnabar, then you can go back and talk to me. You're so full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that raccoon is awesome. That's all I we'll, we'll, get, we'll give you that. Yeah. All right. So that is my justification for it. It only applies to Cinnabar. No other uh, Kickstarters can apply. I check out Kickstarter on a regular basis, so I I, I know about them. Uh, So, yeah. Anyway, unless you're hooking me up with free review copies of the game, don't come. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, uh, next up, uh, Caleb, you had a uh, shout-out. Yeah, so... Uh, this is just like a game you can play with people at your game table or you're killing time or something. Yeah. But I heard it on Doug Likes Lev Loves Movies, which is a uh Doug Lev. Yeah, it's like Doug Loves Movies or okay. Doug Likes Doug Likes Movies. I can't remember. But Doug Benson, the guy who did Super High Me and yeah. that comedian, he gets a bunch of uh comedians and actors on there in a theater and they have a live audience. And yeah. They spend like an hour and a half talking to him. And just rambling, incoherent discourse, but then they play games and, and one and for for prizes. And one of the games is called Title Builder, and it's the only thing that got Sarah and I through Christmas because um, it's awesome. So one person says a title, and then it goes to the next person in the in the group, and that person has to add to that movie title using another movie title by either adding it to the front or the back. So if I start with white boys can't jump and then it goes over to Aaron, he can say snow white boys can't jump. And then it goes to Ross and he has to go snow white boys can't jump bing jack flash. And then I have to go snow white boys can't jump bing jack flash Gordon. And, you know, it it goes on and on. And the first person who loses loses the game. Um, So as a drinking game, it's fantastic. It sounds like (laughs) it. And I just thought it was really simple and fun to play. Yeah. Sorry, Caleb. I'm just happy that there's somebody else in this world who actually knows what the movie Jumping Jack Flash is. (laughs) So... 
I love you, Whoopi. <laughs> All right, we'll have to do a uh, we'll have to do a game of that next time for the actual play podcast <laughs> with the alcohol to see who survives. Yeah, something like that. Uh, we will have to try. Um, let's see here, uh, Aaron. You had one. Uh, yeah, uh, the one I've uh, unfortunately succumbed to the Steam sale this year uh, and getting gifts as in addition to buying stuff that I shouldn't have been buying. And one of the things that I went ahead and splurged on, splurge being a dollar fifty, was the Binding of Isaac and the additional DLC of, I believe it was called The Wrath of the Lamb. Yeah. Um, I had heard a lot of good things about that. Um, our friend Vicky was telling me that I had to play it at some point in time. I played it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's and, and essentially... I haven't it, tried the DLC yet, though. Uh, it, all it does is basically add, add additional items into it, pretty much, and I think it's a couple of the randomizations. But uh, for those of you who have not played it, essentially what it is is a uh, old-school Zelda dungeon crawler. Uh, they sent every one of the rooms basically looks like the old dungeons that you would go through for the first Legend of Zelda, uh, except that it's a very twisted game and that you're playing... Very dark humor, yeah, yes. you're Yeah, you're basically playing this... Your mother little, wants to kill you. Yeah, you're this little boy named Isaac who whose mother essentially starts hearing voices from God, i.e. goes insane, and decides to kill you, and you essentially you would uh, excuse me, descend into the basement where you have to start fighting your mutated brothers and sisters and all sorts of horrible zombies and yeah. uh, get pow- very disturbing power-ups like your mother's bra, a Pope hat. Um, it can get pretty gross on there. A, fun- a funny story, uh, Dan from our forums, I actually started playing it and he came, that's uh, like he was came and asked me a question and I said, hey, have you played The Binding of Isaac? And he looked once once at the screen and said, gross, and walked right out. So, that I can uh, believe. Yeah, if which... It, the it, movie Rubber can paralyze him with, fear, <laughs> with a rage. Yeah, that's an anecdote yeah. we need to say at one point if oh, we yeah. haven't told it. Uh, oh. Yeah, oh. no, let's let us let's let the... It will be like the noodle incident from Calvary Hobbs. <laughs> Nobody will we'll ever just, know yeah, we'll this. just We'll tell you... If, if we see you at Gen Con, we'll tell you yeah. if you ask us. But the, until the... But it, it, it's not going on the podcast. Yeah, it's, no, yeah. It's going to be our secret that yeah, we lord over. Yeah, you. actually, yeah. That's going to be here for you. Yeah. Anybody who wants to ask us, we will na- say anything online. You have to actually see us in person. You want to yeah. come to Springfield and visit us? That's fine. We'll tell you the story then. Buy us dinner. <laughs> uh, but no, other than that, the game is really great. And I think on Steam right now, uh, I got it on sale again for... Well, the sale's a, over. But, yeah, it's yeah. a buck fifty. But uh, even so, I think it's only Support like... Support the independent Yeah, it's indie right now. It's like... They're four, actually... And maybe it, with that and the soundtrack, it's maybe three or four dollars. So it's completely mm. worth your time. I won't buy that game because they haven't been doing it long enough. <laughs> no, uh, it only... That's they the need Cinnabar. to fail a little bit more no, before they it get only the street <laughs> cred for me. <laughs> only Cinnabar. Because there's only one Edward. There's only one Raven McGrath. <laughs> I'm not letting it go. <laughs> but no, that's. But again, buy the, ga- go. buy the game. Make it worthwhile, guys. All right. Um, all right. So I have uh, uh, the, the other Kickstarters uh, that I want to mention uh, that are still going on right now. One is, of course, the Fate Core uh, Kickstarter, where they're updating the rules for the Fate <sighs> RPG, the people at Evil Hat, you know, Fred Hicks and all them. And it's ridiculous. They're, it's, going, it's been going on for, you know, a month. They have another month to go. And. Uh, you get ridiculous value for your dollar. You get you know the print book for thirty bucks. You get a, a quick start print book for five dollars. They just added that PDFs for one dollar. Um, you get it's a ridiculously good deal, and they have all kinds of expansions. Fate dice. It's a really yeah. They have a whole month left, and then they're at like. Two hundred fifty thousand or something. God so. damn. Yeah, no, it's it's been very popular. Mm. People have been wanting that for a while, and fate rules are pretty awesome. We're gonna have to start playing that uh, quite a bit. And the other one is a video game called Neo Colonialism <laughs> with the tagline "Ruin Everything." <laughs> you play basically 
uh, a mega. I can't remember if you play a government or a corporation, but your I, I, your your goal in the game is to exploit the third world as much as possible. Apartheid like, for the whole family. No, no, it's worse than apartheid. <laughs> it's globalization. Like build sweatshops, <laughs> cheat them of their money from the uh, in international monet- international monetary fund. You know, uh, screw the World Bank over. You know, it, it's everything horrible about this global economy. <laughs> I, I see like, why you love it, it now. It's it's all true. It's all based on what's happening right now. Yay! So anyway, uh, it it seems yeah, it's like ten bucks to get the game for as a download. So that yeah, sounds yeah, definitely fodder for another game. Uh, uh, very um, economic version of Knights Black Agents, basically. So nice. minus the vampires, but yeah. I really you know they're philosophical vampires. <laughs> Um, you had another one, yeah. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of uh, comics lately. Yeah. And uh, I, I picked up one called Danger Club in Trade. Uh, that's where yes. I get most of my comics. And I, I got it because of its similarity to Base Raiders. So it's a lot like uh, the setup for Base Raiders, only it focuses on the sidekicks yeah. rather than the DIY humanism thing. Well, there's none of that. Yeah, there's none of that. And then, But the uh, the sidekicks are out to see what happened to the heroes. Right. And because you know, it turns out one of the heroes went crazy and killed all the others. Yeah, yeah. But and he's uh, the president of the world. Whoa. But the art's pretty good. Yeah, and it's not you know, From it's not completely comics. Gonzo and yeah. like kick ass so or far. Anything. Yeah, so far. Yeah, uh, it's only first rate. And then I also got um, Saga by Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah, uh, the new one about you know the. Space Romeo and Juliet having a kid. Space fantasy. It's got a real mix of science. Yeah, and like the main thing about it is it, the writing's pretty good because Brian K. Vaughn, but the imagery is just bizarre. It's oh, yeah. like Ditko on his highest day. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's like New Warriors on acid. It's just out there. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Like bad guys with television heads and just bad guys with television heads and teenage ghosts, whores with yeah. legs and heads and no bodies and spider women, spider bounty hunters and yeah. wooden spaceships and disemboweled ghosts and it's just it is nuts to read, but it's really fun. So. Yeah. Uh, and it covers a concept that I don't think it really happens a lot in comics, which is like the young couple with a baby. Like you don't really see the the that very much, you know. Yeah, and it's it's like insider. Yeah. Like you can tell, yeah. he's had young couples. <laughs> he knows young couples with kids, or he's got a young kid of his own. Yeah. Like it's it's all about baby. I mean, race. it's like them, and then like Luke Cage and uh, Jessica Jones. Like those are the only two couples I can think of with a baby in comics. Yeah, yeah. So um, it works really well. Um, Let's see here. Oh, I want to mention this one uh, before I forget. Uh, one of our listeners, uh, Max Riders on the forum, who posts a lot of podcasts to the RPPR community actual play podcast, which I don't promote nearly enough, uh, but where I'm actually slowly redesigning all the RPPR sites so they all have sort of a consistent look, and that'll have a big link to that. Anyways, uh, so our listeners upload their own games and post it to the site, uh, to the site, and Max has been doing a lot of it. Anyways, he got published in Chaosium uh, as one of their monographs. It's a, a collection of scenarios set in North Carolina and it's called The Phantom of Wilson Creek. Uh, so I'll put a link up on that. I think you get that in print and PDF. I'm not, I can't remember. I, th- I think you get both, uh, either one. 
Uh, so congratulations to him. Uh, yeah, that's really cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, congratulations. And uh, <laughs> I think he's going to get some actual plays up on the community uh, play, community AP site. Uh, if he hasn't already, I'm horrible at remembering actual facts and details, but <laughs> I'm sure. If you stick it out for 15 more years and go crazy, Ross will actually give you money. <laughs> <laughs> so look never, forward to that. Is, <laughs> 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 no, because he actually made a thing that was competent in life. Like had a consistent standards. Or oh, whatever. really? So he gets nothing from you. No, he gets. <laughs> I he gets will, his undying respect, which is worth. He does a Kickstarter. I'll kick into it. All right. <laughs> you heard it. He does. He's on the hook now because he's an RPPR listener who posted the activity act. Max Ryder, never give him a moment's rest. Bother him constantly. <laughs> if he has a Kickstarter, I'll I'll plug it. Yeah, sure. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Let's see, you do a Kickstarter there. No. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, true. Actually, I have two other ones because I thought of another one here. Um, yeah. The first one uh, is uh, ain't, uh, it's like going back to AMV Hell, something I have participated in before and hopefully will again. Uh, recently, they have come out with the sixth of their feature-length films. Uh, I'll, you can actually download it on the site right now through the torrent. Um, be warned, it is a rough cut that they showed at a con in early October, I think. Uh, so they are... That's like so. It's a, the intro is a little bit extend. Uh, it's like a little extended, and if you're not into anime at all, it will be very confusing. So, it's usually best to skip over you're that. Not anime, and you're downloading AMV Hells. I, I, it has references. Well, okay, to, it, things. to be to be honest. <laughs> It, it, even though that I liked anime, the reason I ended up watching it half the time is I really love editing work since I'm, I do editing work myself. And it's fun to see just what little bits everybody else puts into their own uh, – these little shorts. Um, and I'm hoping to uh, – there's a, another version of it that will be set sometime after January. So hopefully I may get some of my own work in there again um, as Ross has been telling me I need to do cert- – a couple certain ones that I will not. Oh, mention. I've already started on the one we were talking about. Oh, you have. I had downloaded all those episodes of DVZ and the audio from the YouTube clip in question, and I found a blog post listing all their names. There's 32 names in all. Okay, so there's you're, more than so, 32 so Dragon Ball Z characters. So you're just gonna do that? Okay, I'm gonna. Well, it, or we could have a race. Do you want to? You want to bet on it? Well, so if you, you want to give me first? DV, if you want to give me the DVZ footage, I'll be I'll, happy. I will give you nothing. You will have to. <laughs> I will give you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I yeah, bring, I I do not condone piracy hey. of any sort. I'm not talking. I legitimately acquired these. You and I are on the same site. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, we, I don't know what you're talking. Yeah, about. By download, he means purchase legally the entire Dragon Ball Z can. <laughs> hey, thank you. Uh, and use um, for valid non valid uh, fair use uh, through copyright. Yeah, it's all fair use, bitch. So. <laughs> yeah, fair use. <laughs> all right, motherfucker. Um, but that's one of the ones. Uh, please support them because it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of good editing work, and it's again very humorous to watch. But even if you're not into anime specifically, there's just a lot of good. All right, editing you said there clips. was one more. That you had? Uh, yeah, one more. Since Caleb actually reminded me of comics, uh, I would like uh, it's like to give a shout out to uh, the new Hellboy series, Hellboy in Hell. Not only for the oh, fact yeah. that it is con- uh, continuing the main story of Hellboy, who if uh, spoiler alert right now, if you want to block your ears. Um, as people know, Hellboy actually ended up dying in the last one in the completion of his destiny or whatever by uh, slaying part of the Yagdru Jihad. Um, uh, he, but he also ended up dying because the witch that I think it was com- that was summoning it, Nimue, 
Uh, funny thing, yeah, Lady in the Lake. Uh, He's in hell. That's yeah. the important thing. Yeah, yeah, basically got pulled down and to hell. And hell shenanigans. Yeah, so basically it's him almost getting to explore his background and the other side of the story. We oh, never well, got see, to that. Too. He really yeah, explores was, the hell out of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. more importantly, though, that not only is it just going a good story by Mignola, uh, Mike Mignola is doing the artwork himself, which he has not penned a full series again in years. So yeah, this lazy. is really exciting for people like me who are a big fan of his artwork and love that just kind of blocky German impressionism so that he seems to represent so well. So uh, if you haven't seen it, pick it up. Uh, BPRD as well. So BPRD is just as I've yeah, it's been great for a long time. Yeah, so it's really good art. Uh, it's like really good artwork, really good writing. Uh, better stuff than honestly you're going to be seeing in Marvel and DC half the time right now, especially with Mostly. reboots and mind switches All and stuff. So. But yeah, pick it up, support them, keep keep it alive. Or else did some Secret Avenger issues that were pretty good. Huh? Yeah, that was a while. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to do that uh, one. What? So. It was they were good. Yeah, they were not good, but we're not there anymore, are we? No. no, we're in a world where Doc Ock is in that's like Spider Man's body trying to become the better hero. I don't. Well, that's yeah. No, that's not. And no. Peter's going to be coming back in in two years or so. It's going to be fixed. It's stupid. We're Jonathan done. Hickman's writing Avengers. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, that's new. Yeah. So there. Oh. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So uh, that's it with shoutouts. We're done with that forever. <laughs> Caleb. All right. Uh, how about some anecdotes? I didn't persevere enough. <laughs> you should have stuck with it longer. It only applies. It's a Raven McGregor rule. Only applies in Raven. So, so uh, yeah, you said you had a reason why you don't play World of Darkness. I do have a reason why and I don't. What play is World that of reason? All right. So uh, as you know, before I started gaming with the RPPR group, I hadn't gamed in like a decade, and the last time I gamed was in high school. And it's it had been years since I'd played, but in, like, my senior year of high school, this group of guys that I was in a band with got invited to go play uh, Vampire the Masquerade. And because uh, I didn't know anybody else played, but one of our mutual friends played. So um, we went over to this place called the Fun Factory, which is what they named their house, and spray-painted on the side of it. <laughs> and it was... Um, a bunch of kids from my high school that had not quite dropped out yet, but moved out from their parents and were living independently, uh, you know, fast time Ridgemont High style, uh, away from their folks. So we walk in, and there are two people passed out in the living room. There is a game of Smash Brothers on the TV with Kirby fighting Link, or getting ready to fight Link in, in the Smash Brothers. They're not playing it. They're just sitting there watching it animate and then uh so we sat around for a while but the guy we were supposed to play with never showed up to his own house so we left so two weeks later he apologized and we're supposed to play again so i come back and there's two guys um passed out in front of the tv and kirby and link are still getting ready to fight two calendar weeks later (laughs) as the gamecube is still on and we start getting ready to play, and so we start rolling up characters, and like I have a deep character concept because I'm, you know, I'm artsy. Yeah, and I have, I'm deep, yeah. uh, and I'm getting ready to write it out. And the guy says that my character is putting all his points into sex magic, and he wears a Hawaiian shirt and all this kind of stuff. And he says, "I'm going to go get a drink." And there's a weird smell in the house, so. 
it's it's really weird already, and the guys are still passed out, and we can't wake them up. They're not dead, so I stay. Uh, with this weird you smell, and he goes to get the drink, falling. and then I don't see him again for a half hour. And then my friend gets a call from his girlfriend and leaves. So I'm by myself in the living room with Kirby getting ready to fight Link, and I don't know where the other guy has gone. So I leave. And then a week later, the house blows up because they were cooking meth in the basement. So that was my experience with World of Darkness. Uh, The one World of Darkness player I've met other than people in this group was a meth-addicted psychopath who couldn't finish a game of Smash Brothers and put all his points into sex magic. And so that was my impression of people who played Vampire the Masquerade for the longest time. And I didn't even know that LARPing existed at that point. So I, I stayed away from World of Darkness and New World of Darkness games. I recognize it's a stereotype now. And I'm over it, but I'm still going to abstain. <laughs> oh, okay, I, Caleb, I, I have to... I suddenly have come to a realization now that the reason why you're drawn to a dirty world is because somehow you have lived it prior to meeting us. I'm just curious. You live in Missouri, too, Eric. <laughs> okay, but let, let's... This isn't fucking Narnia I'm talking about here. Like, we could walk down the street and find a place quite simple. Next door. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're probably right about that. But uh, uh, granted, no... But I, I admit, though, that my life as an introvert has closed my eyes to many things. But you seem to have just dived headlong into it. Sorry, the fact that I that you tried to actually do a pen and paper RPG in an obvious crack house is amazing it to me. Was it an obvious crack house? When they first moved there, it was just a place without parents that you could hang out. We had band practice in the basement where they cooked meth. I'm sorry. No, okay, not let's, during let's look the at this right now. I don't know. There were closed doors. It was spray painted Fun Factory. On like the side. It wasn't visible from there the road. There was a living corpse trying to play Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> Two of them. <laughs> I'm just, like, you look down at Raymond McCracken and his perseverance killed. But <laughs> you persevered through that and the haunting before becoming a good, a great game master and player. Well, well thank you. The haunting was about the last time. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, like, I came very close to the edge of just saying never. <laughs> but yeah, you 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 stuck it through and look at where you are now with your own, where would the people of the internet be without no evil? So you looking up cats. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, that's we unless the darkness that you provide exists, yeah. it will be just a cat filled. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, that's the internet, pretty much darkness and cats. <laughs> Next episode on Wi-Fi and the Beard, <laughs> Darkness and Cats. <laughs> I quit this podcast. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next time. This is RBBR episode 882. Back that story up. <laughs> see you next time. Bye.